Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. We started a conversation yesterday on spiritual growth. And I'm telling you, your pastor can teach. Come on, let's give pastor a hand. Pastor, pastor can teach. Awesome, 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 awesome word, awesome word. And... um, It's important that we appreciate pastors that can actually teach the word. Not teach what they want to teach, but actually teach the word. And if you find yourself in a local assembly such as this, just be rooted and be grounded. And stay committed. Praise God. So I said yesterday that we will take this in three stages. First of all, we'll talk about the goal of God. And uh, that's something pastor started talking about. Working worthy of our calling. And I said this morning we will talk about uh, the stages of growth and our responsibility. Right? Now, uh, there is something that pastors started talking about yesterday and I also talked about that I just want to give a theological foundation to because many times people say, well, I'm born again. I'm righteous. I'm saved. Now, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4, go to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. Now, you must understand that Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus. And uh, Ephesians and Romans are very good theological books, uh, especially with Galatians. All right? So, they they were not uh, written as if they were writing to babes in those saints. So, a lot of truth were put in. But in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4, Uh, Verse 3, first of all, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, actually... The word places, you, you'll find it in italics in, if you use some translation. So it's, it's in the heavenlies in Christ. But the main thing here is that we are blessed in Christ. Alright? The next verse, verse 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we will be what? Holy and without blame before him in love. So that aspect of your salvation is not what we're questioning. You are saved in Christ. But there is a walk. There is a living out of that righteousness. There have been a lot of emphasis on imputed righteousness. But we haven't done so much emphasis on practical righteousness. Now, imputed righteousness is a gift and practical righteousness is worked out because you are enabled by imputed righteousness. 
Because you have the righteous nature of God, you can do righteous things. Are, are you following that now? Come on, are you following this? Now go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 21. It says, In whom the whole building, I was talking about, I think Pastor mentioned this yesterday also, about the chief cornerstone. Uh, if we read from verse 20, having been built up on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. That is the, uh, the first stone that is laid that every other stone takes his alignment from. So Jesus is the chief cornerstone. But look at verse 21. In whom the whole building being fitted together is what? Is what? Growing or grows into what? A holy temple. The New American Standard Version says is growing. But remember, in chapter 1 we just read, it says you're holy. So, our growth is in Him. And we identified that yesterday as maturation. As coming to maturity. Praise the name of the Lord. So, we want to identify a, a few indicators of what maturity is and our stages of growth. Now, uh, I, I, I've heard some Bible teachers, and there's nothing wrong with that, teach that there are several stages of growth. There is if and hood, there is a, a young man, and there are fathers. Okay? Sometimes they take that from First John. But if you understand uh, the Johannine uh, way of writing, there is a specific literature to that. Alright? So, what I'm just going to show you this morning is not try to use a human natural example for growth. We're just going to stay with how the scripture is mentioned. Because what you find most times in the scripture outside of that John's example, because he was addressing something specific, is you just find infanthood and maturity. Like right? It's a constant growth. So there's no spiritual teenager. Is it that you're a baby or you're progressing to maturity. And this maturity does not end. So you, you are not a father. And say you have stopped maturing. Because what you do is. If you use that natural analogy. It means that when you get up to uh, fatherhood. Then there is a limitation. And I want to tell you, you've got to be careful how you use natural things to experience, uh, explain spiritual things because sometimes there's a limitation. And that's why sometimes when people teach the message of the kingdom and they use natural kingdoms to try to explain a spiritual kingdom, they always come to a, 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 a point. Because if you use that to explain spiritual growth, the question is, when you are now a father, what happens? And we know the natural circle is that when you are a father, you're on your way down. You're dying. But that's not the goal. The goal is constant maturation. And I'll show you at the end of the message, the Lord helping us, is that the key to maturity, like Pastor is just saying, is we know your maturity by your decisions. And we will get there gradually. Are you, are you still with me? Alright. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Because uh, why I'm saying that is, there are certain times the Lord 
actually instruct us in the word to be children. That in certain areas we should be children. <laughs> Are you following that? So your growth, please follow me carefully. Your growth in those areas will be from adulthood to becoming a child. So if you just use the natural example, that will not fit in context. Praise God. We will see it. Um, go to First Corinthians. I say you should turn to First Corinthians chapter what? Chapter three. Now, <laughs> First Corinthians. You know the Corinthians Christians. They were not behind in any gifts. The guys spoke in tongues like water. I'm imagining they could even just greet guys in tongues in church in the morning. Just show up and say, give somebody a high five in tongues. Have you seen people who try to type tongues on Facebook? I don't understand it. They just type makata lakata. Then the poster will reply, kele kusha. That's a conversation in tongues, well. One day when we grow up, we'll be like them. But for now, we're still babes. So, he, he, they, they were not lacking in any gifts. Now, you must understand, Paul's later were pastoral in nature and apostolic. Sometimes it was to edify, sometimes to strengthen, and sometimes to correct. So, the tone of the later will give us an idea. Now, understand something theologically. First of all, uh, Paul went to Corinth in, uh, well, we cannot say exact date, so approximate, just in case, you know, one or two years, but of course. So between AD 50, Paul went to Corinth and planted the church in Corinth. Now that date is important, don't forget it. Let's say approximately AD 50, Paul went to Corinth. Now, he wrote the later in AD 55, 55-56. So, he was writing this letter to the Corinthian church, the first letter to the Corinthian church, after five years. After five years. He was writing to them. Now, see the expectation of Paul. Go to verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men. This was five years. They were not lacking behind in any gifts. Which tells us that spiritual gifts are not a sign of maturity. That's very important. They are gifts. Are, are you still here? Now, understand this. It is how you use spiritual gifts that, that tells me if you are matured. Not the gift. So, if the motivation of your use of spiritual gift is through love, then I know you are matured. Let me go and you can relate with. We'll come back here. Do you realize Jesus met that woman at the well and says, Go and call your husband? And uh, the woman said, I have no husband. What did Jesus say? Come on, church. What did Jesus say? Talk to me. 
You're correct. See, you're telling the truth. Was Jesus lying or the woman was lying? Look at it critically, not as a theologian. <laughs> okay. And Jesus now said, but you have five husbands and the one you're staying with, so you're telling the truth. Bring that into our church today. How do you think the preacher will approach that? Huh? First of all, Jesus would not talk to that woman without the disciples being there. Because he would want the disciples to know that he is Sia one. Huh? But you know, Jesus ministered to that woman in private. Because the Jews and the Samaritans have nothing. And, and, and he, Jesus did not push the gifts. Maturity is not that you have gifts. It's how do you use it. If your prophetic gift is destroying homes, you are immature. I don't care what you saw. If God is speaking to you in your left ear, have sense in your right brain. Because people say, God is talking to me in my left ear. As I'm talking to you now, God is talking to me. Leave, leave all those things. It is in the administration of the gift that your maturity is revealed, not the possession of the gift. The possession is a gift. The administration is maturity. You don't do anything to, pro, to, to, uh, to, to have those gifts. You receive them. But how you administer it, praise God, is when we know, that's why, uh, that's why uh, Paul says, the, 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 the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. That means the prophet is in control. We are not Old Testament prophets who prophesy without control. No. The gift of the spirit is not to make you famous. The gift of the spirit is not to condemn the other believer. The gift of the Spirit is to edify, to build up the body, to grow the body. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So please, I want you to pay attention to this. The, uh, the, the possession of the gift is not a sign of maturity, but the administration of the gift is. How you administer the gift. Praise God. Now, it says, And I, brethren... Could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. Hey, hey, this is interesting. Remember, I said this church is five years old. And Paul was saying, my expectation is that by now you guys should be matured. Now, look at that scripture carefully. It says, and our brethren could not speak to you as to spiritual people. He, he wasn't telling them that they were not born again. His term, his use of the term spiritual man here, is talking about a state of maturity. He says, but as to canal. Can you, uh, can we use the amplified version? 
However, brothers and sisters, I, I could not talk to you as to spiritual people. Now, he says, as to worldly people. But, but they were not worldly people. They were born again. But you see, the carnal man is almost not different from the believer, uh, from the unbeliever. What makes the carnal man different from the unbeliever is that the carnal man is saved. He's born again. But he is sense ruled. Look at what he says. He says, as to worldly people dominated by human nature. And that's what pastor was just referring to here. You will have an anger problem and you will say that's who you are. You are carnal. We cannot speak to you as spiritual people. You're carnal. And you know, sometimes in the church, we, all we have done is to just allow the church to thrive on carnality. People that are dominated by their human nature. It says, mere infants in the new life in Christ. So, the infant in Christ still is in that realm of carnality. He's still dominated by his human nature. Still dominated by anger. Dominated by unforgiveness. And some of the message we have promoted from our pulpits are messages of the human nature. Where we kill those who offend us. Where we pay back. is fire for fire messages. Because we're dominated by the human nature. And so, when we talk about your spiritual maturation or your stage of growth, we're talking about how well are you dominated by the Spirit of God. So, your maturity is reflected in who dominates you, who controls you, who leads you, who you are yielded to. He says, I could not talk to you as spiritual people, but only as to worldly people, carnal people. So the infant in Christ has uh, 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 is carnal. The, the carnal believer really does not advance the kingdom of God. He makes decisions based on himself. And we have to be careful. Pastor talked about it a lot. And I'm glad that he's sharing some of the things that God has put in my heart. Because in that way I'm very excited. Because then this conversation can continue and the church can be built up because we've got to move beyond conferences and, and that's good so he can pull on that right this whole thing that they throw around on social media about self-care 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 self-love you've got to watch how far that thing goes because that's that's pushing you to what god is saving you from because it's all about self it's all about what feels good and what feels good might not be right. According to the word of God. And there is a place in our work with God where we deny ourselves. There is a level of hatred you need to have for yourself to be able to embrace the purposes of God, the will of God, and the plans of God. Say amen. Amen says, amen means let it be so. Or oh, I agree. You have to agree. Because it's the word of God. You are not the most important person in church. I will repeat it again. You 
and not the most important person in church. God is. Jesus is. He is the reason we are gathered. I don't like the song the choir used to sing. We, we're not worshipping you. Did we tell you we're singing for you? You don't have to like it. Raise your hand. I, I like songs that are fast. Who asked you? Your preference is not what counts. It's what God wants. And maybe you just need to humble yourself and like what every one of us like. Oh, I don't just like that. I like this. I... No, we... this is not artificial intelligence. We're not building the church to suit you. You're coming to school to learn so that you can grow up into a holy temple. We are building the church according to the heavenly pattern. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, you know, the attention span of this generation is just 45 minutes, it's 40 minutes, so just make the sermon short. Says who? And you watch football? Right from the commentary session? And your attention span does not drop? You finish? You still watch until the people in the TV are saying, bye-bye, till next time. You say, you both can't go now. It's not an attention span problem. It's interest problem. Whatever you have interest for, time does not matter. So what we need to address in the body of Christ is not the attention span of people, is what are they interested in? What do they really love? What do they really want? Come on, somebody. And this is all part of growth. Because growth will make you to put spiritual things first. Praise the name of the Lord. Alright. Verse 2. Now says, I gave you milk to drink. Not solid food. So it's interesting that Paul talks about spiritual men. Ephans and carnal. Now, now he groups Ephans with carnal people. With carnality. And that's in the church, you must learn to identify. You know, sometimes people get offended in church because other people offended them. But you must give room for carnal people to behave worldly even in the church. I mean, when I mean give room, not allow, but expect people who aren't mature to be immature. And if you respond in an immature way, it also shows both of you are in the same class. Just want to be. It means both of you are immature. Because if an immature person rubs me off the wrong way in church and I am matured, then it simply means I respond in a matured way and help that brother grow up. But if I now respond in an immature way, I might just be the class prefect, but we are in the same class. Are you still here? All right. So maturity is not how long you speak in tongues. It's not spiritual. It's not spiritual gifts. It's spiritual fruits, not gifts. Maturity is spiritual fruits and not gifts. Now, pay attention. Why is this spiritual fruit? Now, those fruits are in your spirit already, but how you allow them to flourish is your maturity. How do you allow patience to flourish? 
How do you allow kindness to flourish? And until you allow these things to flourish in you, you will not understand the beauty of salvation. You don't know what it means to walk in love when everywhere around you is hatred. The beauty, the maturity. And every, you know some of you, you're the ones that make your husband not to grow up. Because you feel the man is too quiet. Why are you allowing people to trample on you? you are, he says, stay behind me. Let me handle this. It's carnality you're putting ahead. You know, sometimes we even bring people to church and train them to be carnal. You start interpreting scripture. The violent take care of it by force. That scripture was just talking about how people were pressing to enter into the message of the kingdom. It wasn't talking about fighting. No, no, no. Says since the days of John the Baptist, when the message of the kingdom was coming, men had to press into it because the Pharisees were not entering and were not allowing others to enter. So they were blocking the way. And if you needed to enter the kingdom, you had to seize it by force. Had nothing to do with your boss in the office. It's misapplication of scriptures and advanced ignorance in the body of Christ. We're talking about the message of the kingdom. How people were forcefully getting a hold of the message. Leave your neighbor alone. He's not your problem. And let me tell you, if somebody had to die for you to be promoted, your promotion is no more important than the soul of that person. We should learn to put things in perspective. What will it take you if you gain the whole world and someone else loses their soul? The believer's passion is for the soul of an individual. You know, David had more forgiveness than believers today. David had the opportunity to take out Saul. And he says, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. Praise the name of the Lord. He says, and I gave you milk to drink, not solid food. For you were not yet able to receive it. So, one of the signs of spiritual immaturity is the inability to receive solid food. Because if you have a baby, you cannot give them solid food. Then look at what it says. It says, even now, you are still not ready. You know, Jesus told the disciples, I have many things to tell you, but you cannot bear them. You know, one day, uh, someone told me, he said, I want you to teach. There were certain things I was teaching. He says, Pastor, I really want you to teach that thing. I, 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 I want you to, I said, see, I'm still struggling with you coming to church every, I'm still struggling with your consistent attendance in church. I should start teaching you mysteries of the kingdom. You are not ready. It's not because I don't know. But I'm still talking to you as babes. Do you know that there are conferences we should have today that are just directed at the purposes of God? You say, Lord, what do you want to do in Lagos? Give us the master plan. We pray it out. We execute it. That the purpose, the conference is centered around God. You know, in charismatic circles, we don't have mission conferences. Hmm? Go to all those orthodox churches. They will do mission conferences. Bring out area. Talk about unreached people's group. No, we don't do that. Our church planting is strategic planning. It's PowerPoint. Hmm?
Have you heard of the intercessor by the name of Norman Grob? Norman Grob walked with God. His book is called The Intercessor. Somebody wrote about him. He was such an intercessor, man of God, that if certain things wanted to happen in a nation, the Lord would tell him. He would go to those nations, rent an apartment, and stay there for days interceding, praying. That was his work. He did that full time. God could trust him. But these are the days that when we prophesy plane crash and the plane crashes, we now show that the plane has crashed to show that we are men of God. You are only doing that because your mother was not on that plane. If your mother was on that plane, you will not use the death of over 300 people to authenticate your calling. Who did this to us? Where is your human sympathy? That to prove that you're a prophet of God or a man of God, you prophesy that people will die and they died and you're showing it in church. Next time God shows you that, I would pray that every member of your family will be on that flight. Yes. So that by the time all of them are dead, it will really show that you are true. You see, if I say that now, you will not want that plane to crash. What about if that was the reason God showed you at first? You see, we, we, we mo- I, I've told you something. That the administration of the gifts is the sign of maturity. Look at Abraham. Even in the Old Testament, God says, I want to destroy Sodom. He says, God, no, don't do it. What about if you find 50 people? This was a man that lost hearts. If it was us today, he said, Lord, which, which Sodoms? Because there are many Sodoms. I just want to clarify. Which Sodom? Please, is it the one Lot is staying? Say, yes. Say, wow. Wow, 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 wow. Say, grace is speaking. The anointing is corrosive. We say, Lord, which, where is the missile going? Is it around Lot's house? Say, yes, okay. I thank you, God. My service to you have not been in vain. Why are we like this? We've been wrongly taught. But he interceded. He interceded. He, he, he said, God, please, please. What about ten more? Please, God. What about God? He, 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 was, he was interceding. Look at, what, look at Moses in the Old Testament. We're talking about maturity here. Look at Moses in the Old Testament. God says, I'm going to kill all these people and make a great nation out of you. Moses says, no, don't do it. He says, they would say you were not able to bring them. He says, if you cannot take these people to the promised land, say, blot my name out of the book of life. May God restore his church. That was the Old Testament. Without the Holy Spirit, they were so full of love. and com- These same people were the ones that destroyed Moses. But he was so compassionate. He didn't want to make a name for himself. He rather that God was patient with his people. Today, we boast about how many people died after our national convention. We want to make a name for ourselves. It's spiritual immaturity. Crowds are not the sign of maturity. Popularity is not the sign of maturity. It's your decision, your maturation 
in the thought processes. He says, for you were not able to receive it. Even now, you're not still ready. He says, you're not still ready. Talking about spiritual infancy. People will never grow in the things of God. And, and many times in church, when, you know, I, I was so, I mean, Pastor, I, was, I was so excited when you invited me. And, and it's simple. It's not, it's not for the honorarium. It's not for the influence. It's not for the anything. I was really excited by the theme of the conference. Because, you know, sometimes you're invited and people just want you to talk all the nice things and all. The, it's good. I don't have a problem with that. But you see, the things we call testimony should be the default life of the believer. Favor should be default. Opening should be default. Are you following what I'm saying? When we are putting money together, getting a guest speaker, having a conference, we should be learning something. Something different should be imparted. The gifts of the Spirit. Are you following what I'm saying? I was thinking. I started working in the, in the, in the words of knowledge when I was in secondary school. My father was a principal. Was a, was a vice principal. School, we closed. My dad will lock me. You know, when you grow up in a pastor's home, you are forced to be spiritual. My dad will lock me in the room, in, the, in his office. I said, let's pray for one hour. I said, what did God say? I said, God didn't say anything. He said, you will hear God. And that's how I started working in the gifts of the Spirit. All right? Now, I was just thinking, how many believers are mature today and they can't even hear God? One day I was in the university and I went to Delta State University. And there was going to be a major fight. I went to see my friends in Delta, Delta Hall. Went up. And I heard my name. Maxwell, go home. I thought someone was calling me. I came out. I didn't see anybody. I heard it again. I knew it was the voice of an angel. I packed my things. I started going. I was like, how? What will I tell my father that I'm coming to do? It was while I was midway. I heard gunshots. One of the craziest court fights that took place in our school. Our school was shut down for over five months. How did I get saved from that? Just learning to hear the voice of the Spirit. What about if we teach our members how to be led by the Spirit of God? As opposed to waiting for them to come every Sunday for us to call their case. Are you a DPO? <laughs> in my case, Father, you have not come my case. Lord, you have not come my case. Lord, you have not come. Are you a criminal? And we take, and, and see, we joke about these things. But I'm telling you, you don't know how blessed you are to be in a church where the pastor is concerned about your maturity. You are blessed. You are blessed that a pastor wants you to be matured. You are super blessed. Because most pastors don't want their people matured. They want to keep them as babies. We are running big crutches. Not churches, crutches. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It might not be convenient, but it's the key to maturation. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Are you still here? Yes, sir. Next verse. Do you realize that everything I'm saying is everything your pastor is saying? Because that's what it should be. You know when people say, I don't agree with that man's doctrine. If you preach Christ, it will align. Yes. It's when you start preaching things outside of the alignment that issues come. And that's why unity of the body is not all of us wearing the same uniform. We are not going to the funeral of Jesus. 
Say all the preachers should wear white and black and we are united. This is not old boys association. You know, <laughs> are you hearing what I'm saying? If you're not preaching Christ, we can't agree. I don't care the name of your church. It has to be Christ. Because we have a responsibility to our generation. Not to compromise. Christianity have always been perpetuated by men of conviction. Why did Martin Luther nail the 96 theses to the Roman Catholic door? Conviction. The just shall live by faith. Christianity has never been perpetuated by miracles. And you know, when you say something like this, they'll say you don't have power. At least we've seen small power this morning. It's not big old, but it's small. Small will tell you that the thing is growing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not for lack of power. It's for alignment. Let me give you an example in the scriptures. Do you realize when the disciples came? They said, Master, Master, the demons were subject to us. And Jesus says, rejoice that your name. Can you see how Jesus turned their attention from what they were rejoicing about and said, listen to me, it's about your name being found in the book of life. Let me explain that very quickly. You know why he said that? Because Jesus later told them, by their fruits you shall know them, that in the last day he will come and say, I don't know you. But he said, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. So Jesus was telling them, listen, what you are testifying about is not what I'm going to use to judge on the last day. I'm going to use the fact that your name is in the book of life. That I know you. That you have a relationship with me. Not the demons you cast out. Because there were people who were going to come to him and say, we cast out demons. And he says, I don't know you. In fact, he calls them workers of iniquity. Which means a man can be a worker of iniquity and still walk in signs, wonders, and miracles. Workers of iniquity is character. Working of miracles is gifts. And that word iniquity, actually, there is lawlessness. That means he went above the law. He went beyond the boundaries that Christ set for him. Are you following what I'm saying? So Jesus tells us to judge by fruits. Because fruit can only be produced when a tree is matured. It is, you know, to know whether a tree is matured or not, what do you use? Fruits. Fruits to judge. And fruits are harder to yield to. Listen, to prophesy, eh? you can prophesy now as you're here. It's easy like that. But you see, to yield to patience. It's the downfall in front here that will tell you that you don't have patience. You know, you can come and sing, I'm so patient. The patience of God is in me. And you just miss one guy there. Just, hey, hey, hey. Yeah, you, you, do you think I'm joking? Is it because I'm a Christian? He says, hey, guy, guy, relax, relax. Relax. You have not got to. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That is why as we come to church, hmm? I tell my church people all the time, hey, they're always offending me in this church. Yes, we are helping you to grow. It's through the offense. Through the, do you understand what I'm saying? It's through that offense that we are testing you. It's not our fault. He said, they're always making me angry in this church. We are helping God to help you to mature. If you run away from us, you won't mature on time. Stay here. Be offended. The first church in Acta, offend, forgive, offend, forgive, offend. After a while, you get better. We all get better. It's always the way you are doing in this church. I think I will leave this church. Do you think the way you yourself are doing, me as a pastor, I don't want to leave. You think me, I don't want to leave. One day I will leave. I will go to another church. 
<laughs> and we go to another church. Then they come and ask me, why are you not coming to church? Again? I say, I've joined another church. I've left two people's church for you. Now you come and look for me in Christ's embassy. So you think me, I don't want to leave? I want to leave also. But I can't leave because I have a call. You two, you are not living anywhere. We die here. <laughs> That's the mind. You stay rooted. You stay planted. You stay grounded. Until God walks on all of us to come into perfection. We're not looking for the easy church out. He said, there's no love in this church. Okay, there's no love. I'm bringing love. I'm showing love. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Romans chapter 16 verse 1, Paul says, I commend to you, Phoebe, who is a servant of the church. That's how we should think of churches. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We shouldn't think of bailing out. Praise God. Somebody say, hey, but that's not how the church of old started. In this Corinthians, a man slept with his father's wife. Oh. We don't want to tell you what these people, church of old, did. You know, people say that because they are ignorant of scriptures. Do you realize Paul had to warn them during communion that, see, when you come for communion service, bros, bros, eh? He eat at home now. Because the way some people were taking communion, Pastor T, eh? Paul, Paul had to, do you understand? Let me talk to the Baptist church. Do you guys understand? He said, eat at home. Because the way you are eating the bread... It's not so now. <laughs> you don't pour out to write them. Say, eat at home. Ah, why are you eating as if you are hungry? So I'm trying to tell you that the church was not as perfect as you think. The first quarrel in the first church was because of food. Act chapter 6. They just called disciples, say, uh, we'd like to see you people. Say, uh, what's happening? Say, uh, well... We thank God for everything. It's not that I want to complain. But uh, the way they are serving rice in this church, I've observed that the Roman people, their stew is much and their rice is much. So I'm not complaining. I'm not, com- no, I'm not complaining. But I just want to tell you because the way it is going, I'm thinking of going back to the synagogue since you people say we cannot have peace. And they had the first officials of the church was for food. 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 Until today, food still make people leave church. Uh, the last Thanksgiving, I invited two of my friends. I saw the way they were giving hamper. I don't know if there are some people in this church that are connected. They are connected to the higher power. They didn't give my people hamper. And we are preaching love. Acts chapter 6. So because of hamper now, Hamper and take away. Don't worry, we'll talk, we'll talk to you some other time. We'll call you in the office. When you, when you see the reason why people don't serve God again, you'll know they were never matured. You will know. You will know that, ah, this one was not matured. That's why when some people do say anything, ah, this person, oh, it was over expectation. Consistency is not maturity. Consistency helps maturity, but consistency is not maturity. That's why old members usually cause trouble. Because they now develop an entitlement by longevity. Instead of, instead of functionality. And when we started this show, when God's chambers was just God's, the chambers have not come. We know what we suffered. <laughs> now they have put global. They are not recognizing us. Recognize you that you are you Holy Spirit. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? And you say, listen, you, you're not entitled because you stayed long. And why do new people who come into the church grow faster? They come with hunger. They come with a heart to serve. Praise God. Come and I said, praise God. Even as a minister of the gospel, you don't get too familiar with God. You still maintain your hunger. You're still hungry. You're still, as the deer panted after the water brooks. So my soul longs for you in a dry and a testy land. Glory to the name of the Lord. You still like to read the Bible. Amen. Well, let's go ahead. Verse 3. It says, For you are still fleshy. You are still carnal. You are still carnal. Praise the name of the Lord. It says, Because you are controlled by ordinary impulses and the sinful capacity. He says, for as long as there's jealousy and strife and discord among you, are you not unspiritual? And are you not walking like ordinary men? Look at this, unchanged by faith. Which means your mind has not been transformed. Remember, he was writing to spiritual people. Writing to people who were born again. He says, your ordinary impulses control you. So you give when you feel like giving. That's why we have raised people who borrow tight from God. See, Father, you know that cash is cash. Let me owe you for January. By February, we will see you. Because they give by impulses. They give when they feel like. They come to church when they feel like. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But you come to a place where there are... Oh, you know, a few years ago, two years ago, the Lord spoke to us about increasing the percentage of our giving. So we give a particular percent of our income. And uh, we, there was some financial stuff we needed to sort out. And I was talking with my wife about it. And like, we need to restructure our budget. And then I just said, but you know, we don't touch giving. That's untouched. That's untouched. We can't reduce our giving. Can never happen. Are you following what I'm saying? Yeah, you, we don't touch that. We don't touch our commitment to the things of God. One day my son said, they had a teenage thing they wanted to do in school, and then we had a meeting in church. So he said, Daddy, which one do we go to? I said, every time you have a decision between the kingdom of God and something else, you put the kingdom of, of God first. Get, get your sins and get to church. Don't even think about it. You put the kingdom first. I said, that's how to make it. It's not a prayer point. It's kingdom and this one kingdom first. Suffer the consequences. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, daddy, I'm feeling headache. I don't think I'll be able to come to church. The more reason you need to go to church. So that headache will kill you. Go, 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 go to church. You know, I've seen people who, got, who went to the best hospitals and died. It is not our absence from church that gets us healed. It's our presence in church. We have to renew our mind. I was sick. That's why I could not come. Except you are incapacitated. That's the more you should come. And you tell yourself, by the time I walk through that doors, by the time I hear my pastor teach, by the time the worship is going on, strength is going to come up in my bones. The life of the spirit is going to be at work in me. When I gather around my brethren, let, let me see the devil that will walk into my church with me. That's how to think. Impulse. Impulses. Praise God. You know, I travel and I pastor. You know, sometimes I'm traveling. My daughter says, Do you have to travel again? And I sit down and I say, I'm going to walk. 
And I say, you know what? If I don't do the work faithfully, God is going to judge me. Do you want God to judge that? He said, no. I said, so it's work. I like you. I like to stay with you for the rest of my life. But I have a God to answer to. Are you understand? And you're not that God. You can't get all emotional and miss out the purpose of God for our life. Just get all emotional with wife. Get emotional. You know, God is sent you an assignment. Your wife is crying. I will miss you. I will miss you. I don't think you should go. Okay. Let me not stay. Are you joking? Say you're not romantic. So it's, it's romance. Romance will not make us miss God's will, Abby. Be kissing there now. Be kissing and doing tropical and be running around tree like Indian people. And God will just God will just look at you and say, What is this? What is wrong with you? Do you think it was okay for Jesus to leave leave heaven? He says, Give me the glory with which I left. He, he left a glory for your sake. He became poor. That through his poverty you might become rich. That was not an easy decision. Do you think it was easy for Jesus on the cross to watch his mother? Who taught us easy Christianity? Where did you learn it from? Even the people we call generals and fathers today, they didn't have it easy. Go and ask what Bishop Wedebo experienced in Kaduna. It's not today that we are in here talking of honorarium. Who will you preach for? Who, what is honorarium? The church did not even have money. Not to talk of honorarium. Today we are debating. And she singers, she singers collect something because we are ushering the presence of God. Don't usher it, keep it. I mean, we have all kinds of debates in church. Because we're money conscious. Why is a pastor telling you how much his suit costs? How does that affect redemption? There are things that should not be mentioned among us. Glory to God. Come and I say, glory. Are you here? Yes. See, we're not dominated by impulse. You know why I'm saying this? Because self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you still here? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. See, when you leave a conference like this, you go back and reflect. And cut out childishness. There are testimonies that should not be shared. They will dampen people's faith, not inspire. You are believing God for one million. Yeah? You believe God for one million. One million that came. So always believe God for 500. You know, when you share that testimony, we think God is unfair. I used to make that mistake a lot, Pastor. Early days. There are certain ministers I don't even share certain testimonies because it crushes their faith. The weight of my miracle crushes their faith. So you need to censor testimonies. You need to censor testimonies. I'm telling you, you'll be doing hum hum now like as if it's not true. But you know you hear some testimonies and you'll be asking yourself, God, God what did I do to God? Come. come. What, what did I do to you? Do we have a problem? I'm not even asking you for six million. It's just six hundred. So you've got to learn so that whatever we do, do not dampen the faith of the brethren. We're encouraging, strengthening the faith. Because there are people who are weak among us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Certain t- testimonies will inspire, but it takes a level of maturity for somebody's success to inspire you. I hope you get my point. I'm not against sharing testimonies, but even if you are not matured, 
You cannot handle progress in other people's life when you are still trusting God for your own. So we need to make sure that you have matured first before we give you some access to certain levels of information. That's why Jesus took the disciples up and the ones that will be pillars of the church, he shared certain truths with them and says, when you go up to them down, don't say what you saw. That's why the fact that you are close to pastor and you know what happens and how much comes in does not mean you should now be telling other people. Ah, this church, yeah, we have money, don't mind. We have, it's not all of us that are suffering. We have money. We have money. And then that guy has gone to meet welfare department to pay rent of 50000 The welfare say no money. And you, you are saying you have money. Who sent you? Who sent you? Is it... Talk less. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Learn it in life. Mature, spiritual maturity is not to say everything. There are people, Pastor was saying it, there are people who have destroyed their ministry on Facebook by saying too much. Are you following what I'm saying? Even in your own life, not everything should be public. Spiritual maturity determines that you are conservative. You're following the Holy Ghost in every area of your life. We're not teaching you to be spiritually matured in church and be carnal at your workplace. You are matured even at your workplace. There are things your boss trusts you with. You keep quiet. You are not trying to show the other people that your boss likes you more than them. No. Don't set yourself up for trouble. God has given you favor with kings. You must know how to work with kings. You train yourself that way. Are you hearing what I'm telling you now? All right, First Corinthians chapter 3. Let's finish this and then we move on. He says, for you're still fleshy. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshy? Are you not walking like mere men? So I want you to understand that he compares uh, spiritually young people to mere men, to infants. Okay? Now, Dr. Tony Evans says, carnality is that persistent state where a Christian knowingly and willingly persist to please self over Christ. I'll repeat it again. It says, carnality is that persistent state where a Christian knowingly, willingly persists to please self over pleasing Christ. Dr. Tony Evans. That's his definition of carnality, and I like it. Where a believer consistently desires to please himself over pleasing Christ. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 20. And, and Dr. Tony Evans said this, if the goal of the church is money, fame and popularity, the tendency to produce carnal Christians is high. The goal of the church should be producing mature, uh, mature disciples. Praise God. I said praise God. Now, let me tell you something. I, I was in Kenya. I, I go to Kenya every year to preach. I was in Kenya and I was interviewing uh, a man by the name of Bishop Karukes uh, in the, the food of Mount Kenya or something we're producing. And he was telling me, Pastor, of a testimony about a lady. Two testimonies he told me. Uh, in, in that, when it happened, the, the newspaper called it uh, G, um, Jesus walking in the streets of uh, Jesus walking in Banana Street. The name of the street was Banana Street. This woman was uneducated, and she needed to attend a conference. 
And the Lord spoke to her and says, Go, I will pay your bills. And this woman got up, went to the bus park, joined the bus. And every time the conductor came close to take money from her, she said, Are you Margaret? Say yes. Oh, I've heard your story. What story? We don't know. They allowed her. That's how she traveled from that place to the end of Kenya, had the conference, registered for the conference, did everything and came back. Not spending a penny. And the power of God broke out through that woman after that meeting. Another testimony that was, that was told me, life, these are life stories that was told me, um, that we had to record the man telling the stories. Told us of a lady who, uh, who had broken, she, the, the woman was married to a man who wasn't born again. So the woman, the, the, he, she came back from church and the man beat her so much and broke her hands. Her hand fractured. So she went to the hospital. Then she remembered. Then she remembered that they were going to have house fellowship. So she discharged herself from the hospital without being treated and was going to the house meeting. When, he, when she got to the front of the house meeting, her bones cracked, came together. The people inside heard the sound of the bones coming together. They ran out. She was healed. Brother, people have touched God. <laughs> I'm telling you that there are realms we need to walk into. This whole thing we have come to ministry around money. It has reduced our density. Another testimony by that woman, Margaret. She was trusting the Lord to do some meetings and she didn't have money. She woke up and saw dollar bills, minted dollar bills on her cupboard. She didn't know it was dollars because she wasn't educated. So she took them to show their district supervisor that I saw this paper when I woke up. What are they? Because she didn't put them there. The man said, these are dollars. We went to change it. Head our crusade. What am I trying to tell you? We have limited God. If God needs to get someone from Australia to fund the mission of this church, he will do it. You see, we've lowered ourselves to dependency on members. And it's almost like we have we have placed the, the, the job of God at the mercy of men. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let me share a testimony with you quickly. I just feel inspired to share with you. I regularly don't share this testimony. Let me share a testimony with you. I went to preach in Liberia. I preached for three weeks. It's coming back with 10,000 naira. Three weeks, 10,000. Even me, that I complained. I was like, God, how, we just got married. How will I take care of my wife and everything? And the Lord said to me on the flight, since you have obeyed me, I will look after you. I got down. I was talking to my friend. And he was telling me, oh, when you get home, what car would you use to get home? I said, I don't have a car. He said, oh, you don't have a car? He said, ah. So he just asked me for my name and everything. So before I was to leave the airport and you know, go to the hotel then, the person I was staying with then, he now said, you now have a car. I said, what does that mean? He said, well, I wanted to buy a car for somebody I felt led to buy it for you. Can you drive home? I said, I don't have a car, so I don't know how to drive. That's how I got the car. 
My first car was given to me like that. So do you think my complaining about the 10,000 was worth it? It wasn't worth it. It was short-sightedness. Thinking that the people I'm going to labor over in Monrovia were going to be my reward. If you understand this, you will work for your boss knowing that God will reward you. You will not look at your salary. You will enter that office with a sense of, I brought blessings to this office. I don't care if my salary is less than what I'm worth. God knows how to make things up. And you will literally live in houses you did not build. Praise the name of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 14.20 He says, brothers and sisters, do not be children or immature in your thinking. Do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes. This is an interesting way to write. It says, don't be children in your thinking. But in keeping of malice, be children. How does children keep malice? Before you know, two children will come and complain. This one beat me down. And you are like, don't go, go, don't go and play with him again. Say, yes, ma. As you turn your back, they are playing. It says, your spiritual maturity is that when it comes to malice, you should be a child. Some of us keep things to... Ah, we, we, we are... Ah, man. We have stored things. Huh? And one of the things I'm believing God for in this conference is that God will heal us from our hearts. Hearts, hearts, deep-seated wound. And some of those diseases that they are not finding on the, on the computer screen. I don't know what is wrong with me, but I don't know what is wrong with me. This is what is wrong with you. Medicine was not designed to detect this. It's the word of God that is sharper than every two-edged sword that will go into your heart and say there is unforgiveness there. And you will discover that immediately you heal yourself from that, things will begin to open up for you. It says, brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes. But it says, but in understanding, be matured. Hmm. Be matured. In understanding, be matured. So, when I talk about the stages of spiritual growth, we're talking about growing in maturity. Now, growing in, uh, going into maturity is not that you stop doing the things you were doing before. You are not now spiritually matured and you stop attending church. No, you are not matured. You are backsliding. Our interpretation of maturity is that we neglect fundamentals. No. Maturity means that you have deepened yourself in fundamentals. Mark 1.35, while it was still day, Jesus went out to pray. Why was Jesus praying? Why did he go out to pray while it was still day? He departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. So, it, spiritual maturity is not that you neglect prayer. Like pastor was telling us before I came up. It's not that your prayer time is reduced. Stop having a Christianity that will say, in those days when we used to pray, and you are saying it boldly, the path of the just shines brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. It's not only for money. It's for prayers. Martin Luther says, I have a lot to do today. I'd have to spend the, three, the first three hours in prayers. The men that birthed history are men of prayers. Men of prayers. 
the mother of Charles, Charles uh, Wesley, had seven kids. And she would take her time and cover herself with a cloth and pray. And when she covered herself, the children knew that, hey, mama was praying. Train your children to respect your prayer time. All this one you are praying, and children, you are making domi and pray. Are you serious or you are joking? What, what's wrong with you? Oh, Junior, stop it. I'm, I'm praying. Stop. It's okay. Eh. You know, the way you train your children is how your children will respond to you. I've heard people say, oh, my child broke my phone. I don't know how your children break your phone. My phone is, you see, it can be here. There's no level of madness in heaven and on earth. My phone is not broken. They don't touch it. They don't my, touch it. Now what happened now? You have toy. You have sand. You have grass. You have container. It's my phone. See, I will, be, I will beat you and readjust whatever needs to be added. Next time when you see phone, you say, I worship thee. <laughs> say, you will not have trauma. Don't worry. The word of God will renew your mind. When you grow old, you forgive me. Are you joking? You are praying. Tra- train your children to respect that sacred moment. Because their life is going to depend on it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When children are watching cartoons, they don't like to be disturbed. When they are praying, you, you, now, you now make them feel it's okay to be disturbing in church. You make them... No, 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 you don't. You don't. You, you tell them, if, if we go to church again and you cry, oh, they are wise. Oh, they are wise. They are wise. Oh, they are wise. They are wiser than you. In those days, I went with my mother to church on that bench, Pastor T. Cry. Cry. Just cry. Disgrace my mother in church. You are done with. She will not even answer you. By the time she conks you, eh, she will put you under that bench. Then she will look at you and say, if you cry again, there's nothing in this world will make you cry. Go and read Nehemiah. says, the children sat with the elders in Israel. And they read the scripture from beginning to morning. Let's retrain our children. Yes, eh? Train our children. We've turned church to this little letter man. I'm going to let the child. This little letter man. A is for he. Jesus in, uh, Jesus, in, Jesus in every book of the Bible. In Ruth is the carpenter. In uh, Jeremiah is the nail. In Ezekiel is the rock. He's doing that at 14. Then he gets into the university. And meets a 14-year-old who has been in court since primary school. That one has smoked cocaine. Has smoked everything. Has washed everything. He's not telling your child that your child does not know life. And now introduce your child to all kinds of things. Lord, protect my child. Lord, keep my child. What will God use to protect him? What did you put? What is the mechanism that God is going to rest on to hold that child? Scripture, the boy does not know. He's still doing uh, in, in, in Matthew. He's, he's the rock. Okay, what will God do with him? Matthew is the rock. In Esther, he's Boaz. In Genesis, he's water. What, what would God do with that elementary? I mean, get up and get something with your children. Sit them down. At the age of 12, every Jewish child knew the Torah. See how Muslims train their children. Doctrinal training. They're dancing all over the pulpit. Dancing everywhere, dancing everywhere, dancing everywhere. Say it's kingdom dance. 
If we want to entertain ourselves, let's just take one Sunday and say, this Sunday, we want to be happy as believers. We will buy drink, buy coke, we will dance and, do you understand? It's love feast, no problem. After that, we get to serious business. We can't be paying every Sunday. You are not a choir master and you are using secular, secular music to train your voice. Say, I, I don't listen to, I, have a, I just like to listen to Aru Kelly because I, I like the modulation of the voice. We don't, need, we don't need your modulation. Be a Christian. There are sounds you must not hear. There are things that must not be in your space. Because you are matured. You know that we are in a warfare. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? The devil can give you prosperity and you will miss out of the will of God. Be matured in your understanding that there are certain things we will reject so we can fulfill purpose. It's called the constraint of purpose. They will say you are too serious. We need to be too serious because we're not even serious. Look at our Christian weddings. I don't even go to receptions anymore. Because they have made it say that receptions is not... Is, you know, it's two weddings we have. Yeah. Church. For, and then, reception. You don't want to go don't want to go and see what our members are doing in reception. <laughs> Twerking to the Lord. <laughs> Twerking in the name of the Most High. You'll be, you'll be shocked. Two dress patterns. One for church, one for reception. Two drinks, one for church, one for reception. If church members go, they're asking, when are you going, pastor? When are you going? We want to thank you. Yeah, you're almost like, ah, we came for a wedding. So no, we thank you. You know you're a man of God. You have a lot of things. What are they saying? Say, guy, go, go, go. Two seconds, everywhere go, boss, go. <laughs> and they go. Because immediately you leave. Hey! The devil has gone. This is life. And that is zonal leader. <laughs> you know, sometimes uh, God just look at us and say, what are they doing? And then they say they are in church. He said, which, which church? It's not my church. It's like God saying, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. If you people open, I will come in. That scripture was not to unbelievers. It was to the church. Saints, there is seriousness in heaven where our mandate is concerned. Heaven's problem is not foil shortage. Heaven's problem is not cash shortage. Heaven's problem is shortage of mature believers. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, let me tell you, money is not God's problem. Prosperity is not God's problem. God can make you a prime minister in Egypt when you don't have the antecedents. Go and ask men that God has worked with. Go and ask men that God has worked with. Hallelujah. Let's finish this thing. Let's finish this thing. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. Ah, let's finish this. Are you still here? Just take a few more minutes and then we'll just spend some time to worship and just pray in the spirit. Hebrews chapter 5. I want this conference to stir up something in your heart. Hallelujah. Stir up something in your heart. Refuse to be normal. 
Glory to God. I said refuse to be normal. You know, my son is 14. Um, there was a time he was young. He hit his head on a glass table. Put, it, put my hands on him. I said, in the name of Jesus. The blood stopped. Went to sleep. Before I came on this trip, he had something on his ears. Prayed for him. Ministered to him. Then I did take him to see the doctor. Just to look at the ears. So we went to see the doctor. So I went to the doctor's, went to the doctor's uh, office. So the doctor said, what's wrong with him? So I said, he, he, should, he should tell you. He, he can talk. So, he, so I told him, tell the doctor everything. I won't say anything. So he told the doctor. And uh, the doctor said, oh, well, we don't have the machine to take care of it. And everything looked, gave him a, a few antibiotics and all that. So when we go home and I told him, I said, you know what? I said, you're 14. In two, three years, you'll be going to the university. I said, I'm no longer responsible for your spiritual life. I said, if you want the healing anointing to work, the healing anointing of my life to work for you, you receive me as your pastor. I said, I can no longer work for you as your father. See, you are the age of accountability and responsibility now. And I said, because you're a pastor's son means nothing to God. You are a child. You've got to receive the Lord Jesus. I know you're born again, but I know pastor's children get born again every week. <laughs> you need to receive the Lord Jesus. You need to walk with him. You need to get the Higgins book. You need to learn to use faith. So I'm not going to be in school with you. And if you have any disease in your body, you need to learn how to use the healing power of God in the word of God, first of all, to get yourself healed. I said, is that clear? He said, yes, sir. He said, because from now on, the happenings of your life are your choices. Don't babysit anybody. So you'll be sleeping and come and cause trouble. And just be keeping the poor woman up, up at night. You'll be praying over your last city. Say, I know my, my wife's prayer are covering, covering me. They will beat you. <laughs> covering you. You'll just be misbehaving. And expecting somebody's daughter to be having sleepless nights over you that she's a prayer woman. Allow that woman sleep. Be serious for once. So if anything happens to that woman now, your life is gone. Who taught us all these things that we teach even in marriage conferences? You know, we have turned marriage in church upside down. It is women that are holding marriage now. Meanwhile, you look at the scriptures. Every time God talks about the home, he points the man. Mine is to provide for the house. So you provide and now you are spiritually responsible. Morning devotion, they are dragging you. Prayer, they are dragging you. Church, they are dragging you. What kind of man are you? Eh? Your mates are raising the dead. You are wearing jeans that they tore. That, that you, are, you, are, you are in, in things. In things is to raise the dead and cast out devils. You see, retune your mind. In the kingdom, we don't boast in natural things. He says, let him that boasts, boast that he knoweth the Lord. There are things you should boast about. What are the miracles that are taking place in your life that you would use as a signpost to your children? That when I was in school and I did not have money, I prayed and God answered me. When you were in the womb and the doctor said you will not, where are your indicators? Where are your roadmaps of your journey? God told the children of Israel, he says, put a mark here. He says, so when your children ask you, you will tell them. Do you have roadmaps? Do you have indicators? Or your spiritual life has been jumping from church to church. All your roadmaps are what they did to you in church. Do you want us to tell them what you did to us? 
Just gave you money, you didn't pay back, you took off. You think it's only you that have story? Alright, I've been suffering a lot from church hearts. Hey, you use your church abuse. I'm very quiet. Go to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. Not serious. You misbehave, they talk to you, say church hurts you. So we should not talk to you, we should allow you to misbehave. Only you have six girlfriends in church. You are, you are searching for the will of God. So we shall allow you to come and mess people up that you are searching for the will. We don't have will of God here. Go to the next church. <laughs> Hebrews 5.12. I'm not serious. <laughs> I say church hurts me. Church hurts me. We are misbehaving. We are misbehaving. We are even happy that we have even read book on emotional intelligence. In those days, we will stand you up in church, bring you to the front and tell the word your sins. We are, we are even trying, self. <laughs> I... <laughs> I'm serious. If you allow this soft Christianity to hit you, eh, by the time, you know, the devil does not like you. If the enemy catches you, he will kill you. Don't joke with the enemy. You know, I tell people, sometimes it's not even if you have money to go abroad for treatment. So, you see, there are certain things we've set as goals in our life that should not be goals. When Jesus told the disciples, heal the sick, he was not expecting them to be sick. Eh? John G. Lake, Spoken Washington, became the healthiest city in the world. Men were arrested for practicing medicine without license because of the healing anointing. Because they were healing incurable diseases. Go and read God's General. You have read too much novels. That's why everything is crush, my crush, my crush, my crush. You will crush, crush. What is wrong with you? And then you look at our topics, how to survive crush. What to do when cross cross you? What to, in, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean. Do, do you understand? Do, do you understand? And God is just wondering that what is wrong with these people? What you need is self control. You, you, you hear what Pastor said about the man when he went to Saudi Arabia? Did he attend the seminar? Did he attend school of deliverance? No. Go there now. Then they cut your head off. You will know that you have crush. Hebrews chapter five. Verse 12. Okay, let's finish this stuff now. Verse 11. Concerning him, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain. Since you have become dull of hearing. Now, pay attention here. Let me just finish this up very quickly. He said they became dull of hearing, which is the drifting we're talking about. If you are not conscious, you can even get matured and get back into carnality. So, maturity is not a permanent state. Maturity is what? It's not even a permanent state. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, pay attention here. The word dull of hearing is slow to learn. Lazy. That's the Greek word. Not trust. Not trust. Dull of hearing. Slow to learn. My brother, can you give me the amplified version? Look at this. It says, Since you have become dull and sluggish in your spiritual life, hearing and disinclined to listening. So dull of hearing is a posture of the heart because in Proverbs it says, my son, pay attention to my words. But what happens to this man? He is dull of hearing, so he is disinclined. He is sluggish to spiritual things. He is lazy about spirit. Let me tell you, spiritual growth will take time will take energy, will take commitment, will take efforts. 
Nobody likes to pray, including me. Nobody, do you think I like to read the Bible? No. I want to do, I want to watch football. I want to do something. You know, after the meeting yesterday, I didn't sleep until 1 a.m. Because I had a message to listen to, has anything things to do. Got up early this morning, I had stuff to do. Not just because I want to preach. There are messages I have outlined on my phone that I must listen to every week. It's called spiritual discipline. There are, every week I line up messages. I've got to listen to this. I'm always listening to a message. I'm always feeding my spirit. Because that's how I keep growing. I'm always reading a book. I'm always buying a book. I'm always... See, you can't outgrow these things. Let's read on quickly. I want to finish this. It says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you. The elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. This is interesting. It says, You have now come to need milk. When by this time... You ought to be teachers. Which means that time ought to facilitate your maturity. And you have come to be in continual need of milk and not solid food. Now go on. It says, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. Unskilled. Don't know how to use God's word. Don't know how to apply the word of God. Don't know how to use the word of God to meet his needs. Don't know how to act on the word of God. Meditate on the word of God. Believe the word of God. Put the word of God to work. Go to the next verse. Verse 14. It says, but solid food is for the mature. That is those who by reason of use. So he tells us how that maturity comes. By use. By the application of the word and the use of the word, have their senses exercised to discern between good and evil. Now, very interesting here, as I began to wrap up, is that he connotes maturity to discernment. He equates maturity to what? Discernment. Which means that the more matured you are, now listen to this, you are able to discern between good and evil. Now, pay attention here. The natural good and evil, you don't need maturity to discern between it. It's obvious. Let me give you something. Jeremiah 4.22. Uh, Jeremiah 4.22. Let me give you two Old Testament scriptures and then we'll come back. And I'll be done shortly. For my people are foolish. They have not known me. They are silly children. Observe the words, the term foolish. Then observe the next word. They have not known me. And he says, they are silly children. And then he says, remember, maturity and understanding. And they have no understanding. So zero understanding is equal to silliness. Silly is to be foolish. To be foolish is not to have known. And if you don't know, you don't have understanding. So, that description is a function of knowledge. It says, they are wise to do evil, but to do good, they, know no, they have no knowledge. Okay. Isaiah. Go to Isaiah chapter 28, verse 9. Isaiah 28, verse 9. Whom will he teach knowledge? And whom will he make to understand the message? Those 
just weaned from milk. Those just drawn from the breast. So what he was trying to say is, there is a level of understanding that comes to a man who's been weaned. It's when you've been weaned from your mother's milk that we cannot administer solid food to you. But if you consistently and constantly feed on milk, we cannot give you solid food. Listen, milk and solid food cannot go hand in hand. Praise the name of the Lord. So how do we measure maturity in your choices, in your discernment between good and evil? Let me give you a scripture. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 26, 27. Hebrews 11, 27. Moses. Hallelujah. Come on somebody say amen. All right. Can we read from verse 24? By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Hey, 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 hey. Chosen rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. Hey, church, look up. Interesting. What did the Bible call the pleasure of sin? Moses was not sinning. Moses was not sinning. You know, one of the words for sins is to miss the mark. He says his refusal to be called Pharaoh's daughter in context, that would have been sin. Because he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. How can accepting to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter be seen? He chose to suffer. Child of God, in today's world, Moses would have shared testimony. In fact, in today's world, if Moses was in our days. We say altars from his father's house. Chased him. From being... So, do you understand? This is when you come to a place where you are not making normal choices. That's maturity. Sometimes, I'm sorry to say, even the church world might not understand your choice. Let me give you an example. Eh? They give you a job in Qatar. Maybe $10,000. And you're being paid 200000 here. And you tell yourself, there is a role I'm occupying in church. That God has sent me here. And that role is not, is not over. I'm not taking that job. You know, you can, sometimes even your pastor will say, see, anything you are doing here, send us money. We will hire people. To, do you get what I'm trying to say? But I'm talking about where you now make decisions based on your understanding of the purposes of God that things that are good to other people become sin to you because there is a higher purpose God is calling you to. Look at what it now says. It says, Considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. He considered the reproach of Christ greater riches. Can you see now? It takes a level of understanding for you to consider the reproach of Christ 
greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. What does Paul tell us to pay in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 16? That the eyes of our understanding be enlightened. That we may know. We may know. There are things that can only be uh, revealed to us by the spirit of revelation. Very quickly, Acts chapter 20 verse 24. Paul says, But none of these things move me. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I may finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I received. Can you see how Paul thought about his life? He says, I don't want to count my life as dear to myself. So it's like I'm disregarding my life so I can finish my course. Maturity. This is the maturity we're talking about. Where your choices are formed and phrased by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Where your choices are formed and phrased by the Spirit of God. That's the maturity we're talking about. And child of God, this is not easy. It comes by renewal of mind. Amen. It comes by renewal of mind. So it's important for us to understand this. By mind renewal, we make choices that are not natural. You choose to maintain purity. Not because you don't have feelings, but that there's a greater purpose. You choose to maintain integrity because there's a greater purpose. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You're not doing ministry for money. You're not doing it for fame. You know what the word of God wants you to do. And you commit to it. It's not popular, but it's the truth. So we talk about the choices that we make. The choices that we make. I'd like to pick up from here tomorrow. I'd like to wrap up here. So I'll pick up our responsibility and distractions to hindrances to growth tomorrow morning. I just want, I just want us to, 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 to end up here. That our spiritual journey is a journey to maturity in understanding. Understand the plan of God. A body has that prepared me to do thy will, O God. You know, today, we have a bit of a struggle with full-time ministry. And people are having that conversation all over, and I just laugh and I joke with them. And, you know, people say things like, don't be in full-time ministry, so you'll not be bred into the church. <laughs> and I understand that. I have a training for full-time ministers coming up. I understand that. But I'm, I'm, the one question I'm asking myself, the one question, and I'll put to everybody, are you really saying that if God calls a man, God will not be able to look after that man? Is that the conversation we're having here? That if God calls a man, that man may have to depend on something to be able to fulfill. Is that the conversation we're having here? Did you read of a man like George Muller that founded the orphanage in Bristol, England, trained 10,000 children all by prayers? Are we talking about lack of faith here in God or we are having a woke culture debate? And all because people are feeling that pastors are living on tithes and offering? Are we having that conversation? Then what should I live on? Do you have a problem with that? Let me say this. 
Do you realize these conversations we are having? Muslims are not having them. Because we, we don't have a sense of a mission. No, we don't have a sense. What I've been preaching for two weeks now. I've been preaching for two weeks. I've been out of the house for two weeks. Ibadan, Abiyokuta, and area. Which job will I hold that will give me that ability? I'm home for two weeks. I'm in Ghana for two weeks. First of March to 9th of March, I'm in Ghana. Two meetings. I come back for two weeks. Right? For a month. Then I'm in Kenya for two weeks. From April 16th to the end of April. And then I'm in Tanzania for one, for one week. And I come back. Then I'm in Holland for one week. Then I'm in Ghana for another one week. Then I come back. Then I go to the US for two weeks. Then I come back. Then I go to South Africa. Then I go to Kenya for two weeks again. Then I come back. Will you employ me? Are, are you following what I'm saying? There is a liberty for the gospel. And every church that is well taught should not mind their pastor prospering. And we better be careful of all of these things. We better get back to the word of God. And not allow ourselves. And the reason, we say, the reason I'm saying this is not even because of pastors. This thing we are pushing has made it difficult for us to raise missionaries. To go to the villages. Because why will a man choose to leave the city and go to unrich people's group? When there are no people standing behind and say, you know what, brother? Get the job done. We'll get your needs supplied. What stops you from saying, this money God has blessed me? I will take a missionary child and send them to the good school so that the, the father is not concerned if my child will be attending a good school. What stops us? I'm praying for us today that this conference will be the beginning of a revolution in our heart. Can we just stand on our faith? Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.